Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for October 9th, 2023. Featuring poet Ias Jones leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Broken Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic held in our space at 144 Montague Street in Brooklyn Heights and live streamed via Zoom. For more information and to get tickets to the next Yop, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Marsha Whitehead, Anthony J., Elia Osmanova, Hunter Hodkinson, Anthony G., Jim Stewart, S.E. Zalalem, Incia Taj, Mason Sills, Kayla Schwab, Michael Cohen, Yael Spivakovsky, Arthur Russell, Kiana St. Louis, Alexis Dibbs, Ann Herondine, Taylor Molly, Steph McLean, and last but not least, Rachel Sachs. Before we get to the action, just want to apologize for the audio quality of this month's recording. The micro SD card that had the recording for our yop was misplaced or stolen or lost <laughs> from where I put it on my office desk. Uh, but luckily, we have a backup recording through the Zoom live stream. It's just not as good. That was a dramatic pause to give you that piece of information. Still listenable, just not the high quality that you might be used to. In any case, the Broken Poets Yop open mic for October 9th. Enjoy. Uh, I want to begin the open mic hour with a couple of shout-outs. One to Jay Eason, who is trying to sort of surreptitiously, surreptitiously scurry over to the left. Give everyone, everyone give Jay Eason a round of applause. You don't even know why you're applauding them, but uh, Jay Eason is our uh, longtime office manager. So uh, if you've ever gotten a membership or done some kind of admin, if, if you've emailed me, <laughs> If you sign up for a workshop, there's a good chance Jay Eason was CC'd on those emails. And uh, they've been in South Korea teaching some little Koreans, uh, some little me's, uh, for the last uh, what, three, three years. Uh, three years, right? Since 20 or two years. Yeah. And they, they just came back to New York City. So we're excited to have them back in the flesh. Uh, and one more shout out to my uh, former roommate, J. Scott Brownlee. Are you still in the back on that green chair? Stand up for everyone back there. He's a very tall man. Give him a round of applause. Yes. J. Scott Brownlee is uh, a great poet. He uh, has taught some classes for Brooklyn Poets. Now he's, he's too busy like teach, like doing uh, admin work for like law students and stuff, like MBA students, like people that actually have like real jobs. Uh, that probably pay him a nice salary, <laughs> but uh, we used to we roomed together in Williamsburg for one really strange year. Uh, and after I moved out of this apartment in Rimson Street, where I started this fucking thing, and uh, I was like, who the fuck am I gonna room with? And Jay Scott Brownlee was like, uh, hey man, I need a roommate. Uh, we lived in this the fifth floor of a fifth of a walk up in Williamsburg, and uh, yeah, that was not easy moving into that place with like fifty thousand boxes of books. Uh, but Scott was uh, living with his now wife, and uh, he, well, he was a great roommate because he was like almost never there. <laughs> so it's like 
I had my own place. <laughs> Not that I didn't enjoy his company, but it was also nice to basically have a place myself. Uh, but uh, he lives in Austin now, and he's back. Uh, I was, um, I'm not going to share that part, but uh, there was a part we shared earlier, Utila, Missouri, about Scott texting my old phone number. <laughs> he was like, hey, baby, I'm in Greenpoint. I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> I realized it was Scott. He didn't have my new number. And that's why he was DMing me on Instagram. Okay. Uh, we are ready for the open mic. Uh, I was going to say hour. It usually goes a little longer than an hour. If you've never been to the Yop open mic, we do record the open mic as a podcast. We call it the Yopcast. You can subscribe to that on iTunes, and you can rate it five stars if it is in the kindness of your heart to do that. Help more readers or listeners find these poets every month. We usually publish it a couple weeks after the Yop open mic. If you don't want to be in the recording and you're reading tonight, you can just tell me afterward, and I can edit you off. No problem. Uh, every month at the Yop, we vote for Poem of the Month, and uh, the winners of Poem of the Month over the course of the year face off for Poem of the Year honors. And you know, it is October 9th. The Poem of the Year contest is coming up, and I'll tell you when that is, so you can mark your calendars. That is going to be on Saturday, December 2nd at 7 p.m., and there is uh there are two spots left. I had to change that from a singular verb to a plural verb. There is tonight's spot and November's spot. December's spot is the first spot in next year's contest. So um, the way to vote for Poem of the Month, if you're in the back room, the number is on the chalkboard. That is the number that Scott Brownlee was texting a couple days ago saying he was a Greenpoint baby. Uh, but you're going to use that number to vote for the poet of the month, the poem of the month that you find most intriguing, most compelling, uh, that you love the most, 718-374-1953 is the number to text. And I ask that you wait until after the open mic to text us. Uh, you just say the poet's name, that's usually enough. Uh, again, the number is 718-374-1953. We'll repeat that a few times throughout the night. Uh, every poet reading for the open mic gets one poem, three minutes max. Please try to keep to your time. It helps us get to all the poets on this list. We try to get to at least one or two on the wait list if we can. If it's not like, you know, 10 o'clock already, we do have interns that have lives and they need to get back home, as I do as well. I live in Beacon now, which is not close. Uh, and I need to eat after this event. So uh, try to keep to your time. I think that's it. We're going to get to our feature reader first. How y'all doing, by the way? Are you good? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Like I'm just babbling on. I'm talking about Scott Brownlee texting me. Nobody cares. Uh, like that voice in my head is like, shut the fuck up. Uh, our first reader of the open mic segment is the one and only Is Jones. Give it up for Is Jones. Despite all the flack we get, I love us fellow Leos. <laughs> Who says we get one? Sound like a Leo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to do a big scary thing and read a poem that I have not read to anyone that isn't the homies. So. <laughs> Whoever said that word. <laughs> Oi. David, I loved you when I was a child. And so my love for you is childish. For nine lifetimes, nine lifetimes of you, of your touch in my dreams. Nine lifetimes of haunting me in the tender hours that hang low enough to touch. 
which doesn't ease me to sleep. You, marked in memory, lips overwrought of sweetness, mouth like a too-worn kicked in fence, green eyes pursuing me through the years. So quiet your lashes against my breasts, I could mistake you for faith itself. Zora says it's useless to justify desire, and so dawn betrays me the sunlight. I say I have no use for nostalgia, and still you return. Not as the man you are now, but as the boy I loved at 16, at 17, our lives moving faster than the speed of grief. Knowing nothing of love, even then I understood devotion, but not who was worthy of it. All my life, so much of the grace I gave at the cost of grace for myself. We could have wasted the hours in a heady field of spring, call it a marriage. Maybe all childish, maybe childish love is all the fleeting light I will never touch again. In the dark, I bite you with my softest teeth. Um, my full length reimagines Cain and Abel as sisters. And that's like really all you need to know about it. Between grace and mercy. We learned mercy so young, a beetle with its hind legs crushed, a dog impaled by a rusty fence, a rabbit thinking it was clever enough to reach the other side of the road, a veil of light drapes each moment, red, tangerine, azure, lavender, each way to reimagine the sky. The beetle frantic to undo what sudden brute force divided its legs still moving toward the song. With the beetle, it was simple. With the beetle, it was simple. Cain crushed the small creature with the heel of her foot, splayed open like a wish. People think suffering is meant to be purposeful. Otherwise, why name it? Maybe I'm nostalgic for what wounds best. The rabbit and tire and asphalt. Asphalt gown and viscera makes a new animal. A dog leaps too low and yelps all evening for Baba into the orange-pink sky. Mm. All day, blood weeps into the rust. Rust twisted deep into the animal. I take the dog's face in my hands. Touch is the body's first language. Blood is the body's first covenant. Kill it, says the sister. You kill animals all the time. Mm. I kiss the animal's eyes closed. poems about domesticity, but I especially love poems of adults kind of trying to get back into their child self mm -hmm. and make logic systems around their child way of thinking, which is what this poem was an attempt at. Cain and the peopleless kingdom. Can one be opulently tired? If so, I am here. Dress pockets spilling of acorns, allegro and half shadows, praying mantis scaling the length of my forearm. Scraped knees, the signs of a childhood well spent. A ladybug lands on rotting fruit that when I split between my hands, an encore of maggots spill out. Mm. All things in the lush world have their place. Any field is a church once you understand surrender. I wear my sister's blouse with my mother's skirt. I am 10, and if I am faithful to patience, the fields beyond my tending open their secrets. Show me a creature more resilient than faith. Wildflowers. Every winter they retreat, forming beneath the earth, 
a whisper of revenge, and every spring they resurrect. I make bouquets and speak to my subjects. I dreamed you once. Did you feel it? Daisies in their proclamation, yes. I am your dream made root in flesh. Red clover, white clover, red clover, white clover, make me in your image. Purple cornflower, ladies' glove, meadow sweet. Because I think I'm so clever, I'll tell you something. I think some of us were born to give more love than what we will know in return. And that is killing some of us. Like what Adam does to my mother, dragging her by her throat into the bedroom. All right, last poem. Thank you all for being here. I'm really excited again for the open mic. It's going to be great. Again, it will be really sweet to have you all in my workshop. <laughs> Sign up ends this Wednesday. Sunday. Sunday, excuse me. We begin on Wednesday. Sign up is Sunday. I do not do the administrative things. My job is to teach poems and, and look pretty. Anyway, just kidding. <laughs> um, an epithalamia is a poem that announces a wedding, and it begins with an epigraph. And when I go towards you, it is with my whole life. Rainer Maria Rilke, epithalamian in the field. As a deer longs for streams of water, so my heart longs for you. How the red wet animal in my chest throbs your name. I gather a garland of the day's eye, sew a crown of branch and nettle, bleach clean the antlers of a fallow. Before a ceremony, the church pews sing a language of hunger. Every beast I've slain has come to bear witness fill each seat with their mangled bodies. I'm so close to madness, Father. Stretch my hands, guide me towards your light. You who knows and whose vast knowing undoes me, the rush of my blood is you. The faithful pacing of my lungs is you. Forfeit my eyes and lace and I'll still feel you. Come find me, Baba, in the church of wheat and sunlight. Before you, I am disciple bride, guardian of your perfect name. My body is merely a tool of execution. Take me as yours and I will follow you. Oh, how possible I feel in your light. Okay, keeping me over. I asked you on the last time, thank you. quite as cool as an August Leo, but that's definitely something an August Leo would say. Uh, our first reader off the open mic list tonight is Martha Wallace Whitehead. Give it up for Martha. first time, it was in February, um, 
going to take a chance. Please let me read the other one, too. Anyway, rent. I call it rent. I'm a master of the man baptized in your name. I fell into your basement. It all feels the same. So still a master of the mad, alone inside gray green. I walk the streets of Brooklyn, completely unseen. I can fuck him till he's senseless, beat him like a rented mule. He lives inside of Lethe, ignorant he's the fool. Mad women are pariahs, ancient memories of Menarch, from our mother's ruthless tyrannies that kept us weak and in the dark. That's it, baby. I'm gonna. It's it's from it's from elect it's elect Electra Madonna. Um one of the books in my anthology. I sit in solitude and watch the sun go down, backlighting the steeples and Manhattan, my only love. Two Anthony's with one initial and his last name. The first of them is Anthony J. Give it up for Anthony J. This is kind of uh, an invocation of the muse. It's called Croak. <laughs> Living water molecules, diamond water, triune breath and blood of stars, bombardment water. You know the light of light and motion, of bouncing parts within a whole that lets each singly carve itself a self. Salt water of my cells, emerald water. Droplets of Earth's ancient seas, Precambrian water. You know feeling of weight and warmth, of skin that fears the tooth and the magnet pull of the other pole. Warm water of my blood, ruby water, water of my mother's womb, Rift Valley water. You know images of fire and dancing clams, of sharp strokes that kill and the caress of loving hands. Ancient waters of my source, crystal waters, I don't know whether to call myself a current bed, dam and driven turbines, or only splotsum bobbing on the stream. But I chant to such powers as may master water that they might raise up here a few live fish and maybe a drum throat bullfrog. Arana Kate's Biana Croker. <laughs> Thank you, Anthony J. 
Uh, our next part of the evening is Elia Osmanova. Give it up for Elia. Also, by the way, all of my poems have been breakup poems recently. Um, 
It always goes there. <laughs> so it's, this is the first day of October. Anything I write now will have no bearing on tomorrow because today is not a day in time. The first day of October is hotter than all the days of September. Last week, my walk home was underwater. Now sweat kamikazes down my spine. This is the beginning of the final days. We have no more time to be anything less than honest. So write that letter to him, one that will sever the umbilical-like cord that spans vast distances. California will feel a slight tremor on the first day of October, thinking it an earthquake. But no, that was me ending things. <laughs> Love dies. It does. Love dies. Not a whimper, but a bang. In the distance, two seconds after the hunt. Thank you. I just, I just wanted to say real quick, I have a zine coming out. Uh, it's called Dead End. Some of you in this room are in it. Love you for that. Um, it's coming out November 11th, 11-11 at 938 Collective. I'd love for all of you to be there. Thank you. Thank you, Hunter. What Hunter didn't mention about October 1st is we all got uh, Korean. That was the day we got Korean food with Nicole, right? It was like a goodbye party for Nicole Albanese, who used to be one of our assistant managers here. Uh, interestingly, none of that entered Hunter's imagination. It was all <laughs> beautiful day, breakup. And then I'm surprised you didn't, you didn't stick around for uh, karaoke that night. Peace job. <laughs> Were you going to go home to write this poem? Is that what happened? I had to work really early. I'm a, I'm a service worker. We love service yeah. workers. Okay, well, give another round of applause for Hunter Atkinson. Uh, on deck is Jim Stewart. Our next reader is Anthony G. Give it up for Anthony G. Hi, y'all. Uh, two Anthony's tonight. And luckily, we both put our last initial G and J so that y'all don't get confused. And then also, thankfully, there were two people between us. After humanity disappears, the abominable snowman wonders if we were ever real. There isn't much more to say than a legend we made wanders around a world we did too. Swearing to the sky, there was something forgotten. A set of keys on the counter. A favorite mug for morning coffee. Somewhere nearby and just out of sight. The Loch Ness Monster from upon a throne in a just new enough castle says this was 
always. Bigfoot asks about a friend, bearded and singing of things no longer valuable without us here. The abominable snowman paws at their own gums, empty of the things we identified each other by when there was nothing else left. The Jersey Devil returns to their childhood home, relieved to have some peace and quiet, finally. With no one left to wonder if they exist, the cryptids of the worlds become its keepers. The legends we believed in so hard we made up proof for become just as we were, walking about the planet, tending to their business. The Mothman, faced now with an emptier, predictable future, says tomorrow will be tomorrow. We look down from a ledge before turning to walk off into the snowstorm of the beyond. The abominable snowman yells into a valley. At the end of my loneliness, there is only me. I was obsessed with the loudness monster as a kid. Our next poet is Jim Stewart. Give it up for Jim. In the city, no surface is wasted. Steel and concrete are not quiet. Every bare wall sprouts a wild style poem. The pavement's a lesson, my tires read me. Sometimes I still don't listen. Ray says poetry is attention to the real. I was paying attention to a poem, so I rode into a van. Breaks loose in my grip. For a moment, white sidewall was everything, moving so slow. It was amazing standing after. I didn't die, so I went to class. The most ordinary happening, negotiate your own permanence. The UPS truck had to park somewhere. This time it was that corner, a stable cultural accident. They trimmed the weeds in the bike lane along Kent by the movie studio under the tag shipping containers. But just for a few weeks, the city exploded in growth. The lambs quarters and amaranth bursting from both sides. On Java Street, the honey locust shot up sprouts from every root. I'd walk to the running track every morning as if I could do that all year. Made smoothies with raw egg, but next I knew it was September. Work starts around eight and she took the ninja bullet as she had every right to. So I tried to use the Cuisinart, which foamed the whole milk to hold cool whip consistency, spilled out the side and maybe the blade is dull, pushing chunks of frozen banana and strawberry dully around intact. The overhung branches that had drooped low enough to bring in a careless pedestrian now laced cold around the dirt squares in the sidewalk. The roads a story written on my knuckles and elbows, the white paint of the van, the white paint of the van on my cheek, like a bad makeup job in the mirror. Scrapes and bruises speckle and crust a texture on the canvas. I must be grateful for this correction. 
I guess I stop for pedestrians, but not for lights, for a chain off the cassettes, greets on my fingers from putting it back. Four speeds I really use, low two up the ramp, high nine down, the rest seven or the rest low seven or high three on the verge of a cross chain, but they don't do multiplication at the bike store. <laughs> there are ways to stay dry, but Albany Avenue's a mess of wounds. Crustaceans dead, pulled to the scorching gut of this rock, a million years squeezed in this burning embrace, then thrust up again, crushed into the tar, fallen, root and leaves cooked in the same furnace, solidified, broken again by semi-tires and pipework, cold and hot and cold again, teased to cracking till Union Ave clutches my tires, twist parallel to my path to clutch me to catch me in grooves, drops potholes and recessed clog grates, surprise pools that'll soon that soon be half frozen. The water remembers nothing. After all these billions of years in comets and oceans, same old rise and fall dance, it melts and trickles, it shimmers with motor oil rainbows, it splashes my poncho and waterproof pants. Sorry, I drip with the rage of SUVs, forced to move half a foot over to get around me on Marcus Garvey, but my feet and calves are dry as yesterday's clementine runs, sucking off all the lotion in the place. My palms are bruised from the jagged sets on Plymouth and Dumbo. My oversized prostate throbs from a crush on whoever last passed me crossing the bridge. How can I keep this pain? this fear. My shoulder reminds me when I hit a dip. My knee twinges after five or six laps. The doctor would call if there's a problem, he said. My watch can call 911, supposedly. If I change the emergency contacts in my phone, must I confess I've gambled badly with my body, my life? Must I start getting 13 right for the price of 12? Thank you, Jim. No, right, that one was. On deck is Inzia Taj, our next reader. Uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly. If I don't, please correct the fuck out of me when you get up here. Is it Salem Zalalem? Okay, it's close. I'll take that. Give it up for Salem, hopefully. My lover and I are sitting in a coffee shop. My tote bag is quilted from 30 other tote bags, all thrifted, each match his shoes. We are both drinking oat milk for two different dietary restrictions. I have three nose rings. He wears an earring, they match. I read Baldwin, he reads Sanchez. Old black couples smile at us from corner booths. We imagine ourselves, old black couple, smiling, corner booth. I listen to Badu, he listens to Rollins. Sometimes we put on Monk just to nod, that way jazz folks nod. Head side to side and squinting. Everyone thinks my lover looks like someone they've met, and they're right. No one can look at my face without squinting. Sometimes I have nine earrings and he has a nose piercing. He reads Baraka, I read another Baraka. I underline a passage, he shakes his head, which is the way jazz lovers nod. Sometimes birds stop on the street to cock their head toward us. 
Sometimes we wake up and we're in a coffee shop. We wake up in a sanctuary. We wake up giving a speech on the fungibility of the black body to a sold out auditorium. We wake up steaming oat milk, buying tote bags, singing monk. His best friend says we look alike but cannot name any of my features. My lover and I will never wed, which is the secret we keep like scripture. I dip a finger in the pool of every universe we grow old in, none of them together, but my lover cares for me. Each evening he washes the dishes and I write a think piece on the place of the black man in the household and he eats me out on the stovetop and my pussy glitches in out of existence like a holograph. I wake up with scissors under my pillow. We fast for seven days, eat only guava seeds and fried tomato skins. I walk on the side of traffic. My lover holds the door open for me. We both bow our heads before we eat. We try to think of something bigger than ourselves. My lover thinks of me. I come up and my lover tries on my skirt and for a second his legs flicker my shade. My lover is my type. Almost like I made him up, I made him up, he made me up. I am made of him, stolen and souped up, screwed tight. I wake up with his head under my pillow and reattach it firmly before making breakfast. We eat egg substitute made of mung beans and talk about the social death of the black spirit. My lover is my best muse. I never make a thing. My hands crack from disuse. He patches them up for me before writing a think piece about the black man returning to ancestral me medicines. Sometimes. I ask my lover a question and I hear it spring out his mouth. Sometimes I spit in my lover's face, sweat pours out my ears, eyes, viscous, hot. My lover is not me. My lover is not me, my lover. I give a speech to a thousand people while wearing my lover's head. He is headless in the audience, clapping. Sometimes my lover brings out his horn and plays me something low and sweet. I become split reeds, sharp wine, spittle gliding in the neck of a beast. I clap for him, headless, squinting into the too bright sun. Sometimes I wake with a flower under my tongue. I give it to my lover. He dries it off, puts it in his hair. I say, it reminds me of a Gwendolyn Brooks poem. He looks it up for me and braids the words tight against my scalp. Okay. Uh, I love that. So much to love about that. You had Monk in there, you had uh, Sonny Rollins. Pretty sure that lover didn't exist, but uh, I would love that lover. <laughs> and uh, also you used the word fungibility, which is like, let's give, let's give him a round of applause just for that. That was fantastic. It was like totally smooth. Like fungibility? Yeah, that was in there. Uh, wow, amazing stuff. Our next reader, as I mentioned a little earlier, is Incia Taj. Give it up for Incia. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Hunter, for printing my poem out for me. Shout out to Hunter. Shout out to Hunter. Um, at the end of September, I went to Portugal, which was my very first solo trip. Um, this poem is because of that. Praise the loved one's advice, the gentle kiss of sunscreen, the 10 leftover euros nestled in my purse, the sensible stand smiths that complain with each rising step. At dusk, amidst a sour cherry sun, Alfama is a chorus of change and I tune my ear to listen. 
A fishmonger bids farewell to the day's shipment of sardines. A stray cat slinks past a bar hidden behind purple flowers. On the evening of my 32nd birthday, I am struck by the realization that I've never witnessed a sunset alone. Praise the acrobatics of aging, the smiling photograph of Anthony Bourdain hanging on the wall of Tosca de Chico, whose mournful fado music inspired this trek. It was the endeavor of my 31st year to lie comfortably in the graveyard of my mistakes, to accept that I am an anthology of desires living in perpetual hunger that I want and I want and I want. The climb, like most uphill pursuits, eventually ends. I settle onto a bench at the top of Miradoro, nursing a Coca-Cola, licking my wounds. Praise the sight of Lisbon in her gold glory. The stillness is broken like waves embracing the shore by a phone call. My grandmother blesses me from Pittsburgh, Arabic verses falling from her tongue, silky like cracked egg yolks dripping into a bowl. Show me where you are, she says. Praise my earlier self for choosing soda instead of green wine. I turn the camera to burnt orange rooftops as a firefly shimmers by, its luminous wings bent in supplication. Thank you. <laughs> got a little more intense. Nice <laughs> couple of poets bringing their A-plus game tonight. Um, our next poet is very dear to me, not only a great poet and artist, but a great cat sitter. And by great cat sitter, I mean one who is not crazy. Uh, recent, recently cat sat, is that, is that the verb, cat sat? <laughs> For me and my wife this summer, we went to Brazil and uh, and then uh, was followed by a crazy cat sitter who claimed to be able to talk to our cats. And uh, that was really weird. Uh, so I just want to appreciate our next reader who is not that person. So <laughs> give it up for Mason Sills. I wanted to read another poem, but it's four minutes, so I will spare you all. Uh, this is called Elegy for the Future. Caught between the borderline of sleep and desire, I tasted a mango and tried to run towards you as you skipped away into a sky strung with heaviness. It was one of those years where all the baseball diamonds were covered in caution tape, fog over landfill, dead leaves, dead apple trees, dead branches, dead bunnies, babies dead at every turn. I was a base chasing water. You were the one who walked, got pulled away from the junkyard of my womb, spinning an elegy for the future, hungry with grief in Paris, Walla Walla, Brooklyn, where every web came undone and I crawled into sorrow without you. I mastered digging graves, became ghost. Asleep at night, I watched myself as a young girl shoot a hole through her own hand to remember what heartbreak felt like. Then I grew tired of the blood coming down, a red roof, crimson barn on fire. I grew tired of burning rose petals and calling it love. 
got up, flew west to a place where plants don't die come winter, where I won't die come winter. I drove along in the teal cabriolet, a slender tarweed, Solomon's plume, and hollyhock sang into the pine green hills of Malibu. I pulled over under the neon billboard where the coyote tracks turned to mud and came to the cobalt hum of ocean. This is what I am left with. This is what I know to be true. I am not pregnant. I am barefoot on a cliff caressing sea. I am crouching down in a field of roosters, pissing under the hot April sun that forgives me. Well, you can write too. You're a good cat sitter, but I beautiful. <laughs> oh man, it's got it's kind of hot in here. I mean, it's, it's very intense. Uh, it's gonna be hard to vote tonight, uh, and I'm sure the next poet will not make it any easier. Uh, it's not only a great poet. Now I'm telling a story about every fucking reader that comes up here, but uh, is a great person to go see Wu Tang with. Uh, so we did that a couple weeks ago with Darius. Give it up for Kayla Schwab. So um, I wrote this one in Tony Lombardi's workshop, Harvesting Bewilderment. Ooh, Definitely take a class with Tony, Mason knows. Um, and yeah, it's called Ponzi Scheme with Existential Crisis. <laughs> I'm trying to master the graceful management of stress, but rain remains in the forecast. I am projected to be awful, running headlong into the storm, like riding my bike with increasingly weakening brakes. This might be a skill issue. My mind a prison where thoughts go not to rot, but to toil. Thoughts with real potential, caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. Can you die from thinking too hard? When I enter a room, my thoughts precede me, and this does more damage than a reputation. Sometimes I take comfort in the famili familiarity of my worries, dancing on the walls like the shadows of my hand contorting. The introduction of a door would simply crack me open, my thoughts spilling out into the corridor. It's not that I want to be the centerpiece of a cliche, but I can't seem to find a satisfactory answer to what is stirring inside me. My therapist says, Everything can change in a minute, so that's why I try to meditate. I often envision the moon, or sometimes the sun, glowing orbs of light, the way they look swollen, hanging low on the horizon. This is called the Ponzo illusion. Nature is full of tricks, it seems, and I am constantly being made a fool. I think about how Ponzo sounds like Ponzi, and I wonder if I'm part of the scheme, investing in a life that I may never see returns on. All I want is to sit on a balcony dripping with ivy. When the rain finally comes, I'll be sitting there, waiting to empty my thoughts into the storm gutter, my momentary escape. Thank you. And congrats, Arthur, on your cat
Okay, thank you. Uh, what's that line? I am projected to be awful. Was that the line? Yeah, be, yeah it's a great line. Uh, I will tell you some stories about seeing Wu Tang and Nas, but uh, that'll take like 10 minutes. So, did anyone go to that show at Barclays? Yeah, good job. <laughs> uh, our next reader is Michael Cohen. Give it up for Michael. Miss you is a strange phrase. The pain of it not captured. Alone at the event horizon, at infinitesimal distance from where there's no color and nothing escapes, I gasp at life unless my lover, friend, twin, air and water. With you, the origin of Genesis was revealed. Time stopped and curved back upon itself. I grew ageless, death with a different face accepted. With an easy motion, I threw fears and pains into the sea wind and watched birds take them gliding and sailing high. The universe in all its trembling magnificence was only a small shy visitor welcomed at my door. The stars themselves were tiny candle flames that I put out between moist fingers. The freezing night air warmed my throat and lungs. I breathed you in so sweet, the taste of sun on the skin of a fruit. Now I am no more. I have no shadow, cold isn't cold. The sun no longer gives heat. Shade is useless. There's nothing living. The water is acid and putrid. Mm. The nights are most difficult. Sleep no longer mine. Every thought and every memory is you. I fear when the world sleeps and I cannot. The anguished longing of a pitiful, aging, ugly fish, waking from a nightmare and finding himself on the side of a brutal, arid mountain, 10,000 miles from the sea, flailing, with Gill's panicking, doesn't even begin to capture how it is to miss you. Anything can be taken from me except this. The pain of you is mine. And it's proof of life and allows me to continue loving in this world. Be hard to vote, not gonna lie. There's two spots left. Uh, think about it before you text that number 718-374-1953. Our next vote, I'm gonna try to get your name right again. If I don't say it correctly, please correct me when you get up here. Is it Yael Spivakovsky? I got it. Okay. <laughs> 
me not bump into the microphone a thousand times. That would be really great. Um, <laughs> so, um, shameless plug, if anyone would like a copy of my chapbook, uh, What Other Centuries, you can come find me. Um, <laughs> and I am going to read something that seems incredibly out of season uh, called Father's Day, until you remember that daddy issues are the spookiest <laughs> and most perennial thing that you can think about. <laughs> not even in the backs of fantasy novels. I don't ask that you replace him. I was formed without him, like people formed without tails, only the most vestigial reference left, no aching lack, no longing for extension. And I'm no substitute for her. Clouds can't replace solid ground, no matter how much rain they give you. I still can't shake the terror that I'm either an earthquake here to rattle your tables or a spider in your kitchen, conspicuous enough to notice, but not bothersome enough to sweep. And she eats the flies anyway. Still, we fit. We find each other with a mixture of ease and trepidation. I test you, my foot on your rope bridge, legs stiff, my tiny steps eliciting creaks and sways that make me gasp with vertigo. So you test it with me. Match my halting rhythm. You won't snatch the ground from me. <laughs> you don't bother with diatribes about bridge mechanics. No secondary source will patch my chasm like this, the tap of your old shoes. Mm. My goliaths fade to smoke when you tell them to. We disembark. I coat the grass and airy snow to thank you. I'd gathered so much data, piling up evidence. I claim irrefutable. Fathers aren't parents. So what are you? <laughs> Anomaly, I thought first, then counter-argument. Fathers aren't parents, except sometimes. Thank you. Thank you, Yael. Thank you. Okay. Uh, no secondary source will patch my chasm. If I got that right, that was a crazy great line. Definitely the best use of secondary source probably ever in a poem. Um, so congrats for that. Our next poet, I mentioned earlier, has a chapbook launch this Friday night for At the Car Wash. If you want some great poems about car washes, uh, you're talking to the right guy. <laughs> Give it up for Arthur Russell. Thank you, I.S. <laughs> Great. I think the poems tonight have been wonderful. So this is a picture of my book. You, you can, uh, it was the winner of the 2023 Rattle Chapel Prize. And um, you can buy it, it's over there. But I would at this point recommend that you not buy it and instead come on Friday night because everyone who comes on Friday night gets a copy for free. And what about people that bought a book ticket? I will <laughs> sign both of them. I don't know how to handle that problem, Jason. It wasn't manly of you to bring it up right now. And I'm not going to look at you because I hate you. But I just wanted to tell you that of these poems, there are 16 poems in this book. And I'll, Three of them were um, 
were uh, Poem of the Month here. And one of them was wow. Poem of the Year here. Wow. And two others were written in workshops by Miller Overman and Gregory Crosby. And so this poem, this book of poems lives here. And of course, the book of poems is about my father's car wash, which is on the other side was, he's long gone, on the other side of Prospect Park at Church Avenue and Coney Island Avenue. Mm -hmm. So there couldn't be a better place to have my launch and there couldn't be better people to have at my launch than you. So please come. I'd love to see you there. Um, uh, although I told you earlier tonight that I hate the poem I brought for the open mic, that doesn't mean that you can hate it. <laughs> um, it's just I wanted so much from it. And I actually wrote this poem, as I said in the poem I read earlier tonight, in Jason's apartment before he moved to bougie Hudson, New York, sitting on a very low bench next to a pizza box. And, and it was called at that time something different prayer on my back under one machine and next to another now it's called prayer on my back under the side brush window side brush window being one of the, the pieces of equipment in the car wash dear lord of men who wait for work on days when steady rain has closed the car wash tight whose coffee light and sweet is all they'll get for breakfast sitting on the towel carts perched on 16-gallon oil drums, converted into garbage cans and covered with a square of plywood, polished by their tired butts and rounded by the times they've fallen, Lord. The manager, named Artie, sewn in yellow on his dark blue canvas zip-up jacket, pads among the sitting, standing, smoking men, his shoulder patting shepherd's voice, says, wait, we'll see, it might clear up. He writes their names in hopes of squeezing in a half day's work while rain inscribes the future on the skylight. At 10, still raining, Artie sends them home with nothing more than car fare or with five to stay alive, a draw on Sundays to pay. He sends them, Lord, down church to East 15th, the subway there. I watch them from the door, these sodden, head down men I know so well, their hats pulled tight, or those who have no hats, a New York Post spread eagled on their head. Though Artie taps a few to stay behind to help us change the paint can sized motor that turns the sudsy brush that scrubs the glass behind the side view mirror, which because the seals began to seek hydraulic oil, because the seals began to leak hydraulic oil, that the brush began to smear the windows with, we'd shut down, tied back, left for several days to work on, on a rainy day like this. Now someone, Lord, will have to crawl inside the cabinet that holds the window brush and free the rusted hex nuts from the studs that keep the busted motor flange in place. And not just crawl, lie supine and reach up into the chimney narrow space to spray a lubricant that smells like licorice and boss's son or no, begin to whack it with a box end wrench until the rusted threads break free. That someone, Lord, is me. Now, someone spread a car wash towel for where I'll lay my head. 
and someone holds the drop light from above, and someone's there to take the busted motor from my hand, and someone's got the new one out, and Alan, Artie's son, who served in Berlin during Vietnam and had a dream to be a forest ranger before the car wash grabbed him by the wallet, holds out the 13 16th wrench for me, and I don't want it. It's only a second before I take it anyway, but in that second, I feel alone, surrounded by men like mannequins, alone in a job I never wanted, in a business I find cruel, with far too little confidence that reaching as I must, my elbows cabined by the cabinet, in knuckle-buster regions high above my head, my arms and shoulders much less strong than they should be, an agent of my father. I'm his hands, but not his skillful hands, alone, but for his absent voice inherent in my ear. Lord, the callus in my hands is spreading to my heart. This 13 16 wrench is not the pen I want. And something empty has me in this cabinet. But how can I leave? I whack the nut. It's raining. How can I leave? I whack the nut. It's raining. Please help me, Lord, to leave. I whack the nut. It's raining. Thank you all. See you on Friday night. Okay, one more time for Arthur Russell. Congratulations. Only the book, the poet laureate of the car wash. I believe I said that in the blurb for the book. I think you did. Yeah. Uh, sorry to give you a, it's a spoiler alert, but he says like, uh, what, what is that prayer? Like, uh, let me leave, or how did that end again? Uh, how can I how leave? Can I leave? How can the last poem in his chat book, he says, I will never leave this place. So, uh, yeah, just think about that <laughs> for a second. Our next poet of the evening is Kiana St. Louis. Give it up for Kiana. A little bit of everything all in one, but tonight I would like to read a couple of pieces from my recent piece called Love, Trauma, and Healing. Miscarriage yeah. um, is a naughty word, dirty sometimes I feel, but it's something that is so common to so many of us men and women. So I want to take, take you through a little bit of my story, your poetry. When we made love, we were buried beneath the sheets, heavy in heat, racing to the finish line. Who came first? Was it you or me? You say my body is a galaxy, every bit your dark fantasy. My legs are open to a portal, only few have gone. And tasteful waters flow that you hungrily feed on, crafted with excellence, every stroke just as melodic as the first. Your head close to my chest, it's your face I nurse. Switch it up now, can I have the mic? Mm -hmm. 
I have a verse I want to sing. Mm -hmm. As I do like my solo, my eyes glaze with joy as you shake and cringe. Evidence of a good time draped around my neck. Was it supposed to be a quickie? What's the time? Go check. Lost in lust for hours on this drug called you. The night we conceived felt just like this too. There's a war raging inside me. I can feel the explosions going off as cold metals touch the pink parts of my skin. Pulling me back to expose the scene, I spread like curtains, opening a play. A gush of water rushes out immediately, we gasp. My water broke. Sirens everywhere, I'm woozy. Everything is moving so fast, yet so slow for me. I'm transported from one bed to the next. My temperature drops, the siren spots. We have to take the cerclage out. Heat. I need heat, I'm so cold. My body is, my skin is so hot. My arms and legs drenched in sweat from a race I never ran. It's a blur all around me. Doctors and nursing, nurses trying to introduce themselves to me. Strange time for meet and greets when an infection is brewing inside of me. I'm on the bed shaking from chills, can't sit still when they give me a decision of a lifetime. Leave the fetus for a normal delivery and risk uterine infection or put me to sleep and take him out. Trauma. Waking up in a hospital room hours later, empty. I was literally and physically uninhabited. I could fill a room with all the pain I felt. The only remembrance I have of you is the blood that stains my sheets. There are no winners in war, only survivors. I pray I survived to live on for you. Yeah. Hours later, I look at the mirror and dive into my body, swimming on the curves of my stomach, holding the stretch marks close like trophies, Miss Elastic. My body the incredible. Everything I need to survive exists right here. Signed, home. Thank you. Thank you. Our deck is Anne Herondine. Our next poet is Alexis Dibbs. Give it up for Alexis. checked out all the times you let the door shut slowly, only to stay. Girl math is keeping all the receipts of being unhinged, finding the lump sums and being told it's nothing, that the pain will subside over time, but it hurts. So I take inventory, caught off guard by the plastic, counting again and again, hoping it'll transport me back to then, I pray, for all the times her soul left her body. Intoxicated and unrequited love enters the party. It takes two to egg each other on. Girl math is carrying over the one. One too many times you say it won't happen again, but it does. So we play pretend. I play lover girl. I play the part of who I think you want me to be, hoping tonight it doesn't rain shitty men. <laughs> but, but one that'll treat you kind. 
One that hauls your yellow taxi cabs, puts their card on for the tab. Even though you girl bossed your way to the sun, I'll hold that door open. So even if it isn't with him, you know that that love still exists. Girl, math is wearing the pants, dividing the desserts. The irony of a body that tolerates everything else but gluten or dairy, a candle for celebrating your wins, committing to the bit of typing recently divorced into the description of the reservation. Girl, math is sending the flowers to your doorstep. Marking, marking the calendar with the days you'll be home. So when the tree falls, this time you'll hear. We are not nothing, even if nothing is what he made us feel as we braided the roots at the bottom of the trunk. Mm. Girl Math is painting the leaves golden, hoping he dissolves into moss. Okay, thank you, Alexis. Our next photo is Anne Herondine. Where are you at? There she is. Give it up for Anne. What it feels like. What does it feel like? She asked in music class, under cover of sound, to have things like that instead of hands. She's a mean girl, smart and pretty. I'm smart and pretty too, but I don't know how to be mean. So I push her off the desk where we're sitting. And when the teacher asks me why, I can't tell her. Just as I can't tell mean girl what it feels like as I can't tell myself, because I didn't know until she asked that this was the question. I don't have the answer on the way to the principal's office, where I don't go, <laughs> but sneak upstairs to an empty room and try to figure out what it feels like to be smart and pretty and deformed. Mean Girl was terrified to see the living, breathing paradox embodied right in front of her, that this can be. Fifty years later, I meet her at a classmate's funeral. She's a lawyer in D.C. Kel surprise. <laughs> By now I have some answers, if not the answer. Dream paralysis? Phantom limb? The fly with the man's head caught in the web. If they went to drive the golden spike at the joining of the transcontinental railroad and found the other side had been digging a canal. I know it was the right question, not what happened or can you do this or that. Not even may I help you. My first prophet speaking truth to power who should prophesy without malice or sympathy. But we were 12 and I was powerless, except by accident of birth. We couldn't look into each other's souls, could only see the flesh. She wouldn't hold my thing instead of a hand in dance class. And now as adults, we don't have to touch. What does it feel like? Like this. Yeah. 
man, now the adults we don't have to touch. Jesus. Killing me, Anne. Uh, our next poet leads a popular drop-in class on Thursday night at 6. Also, um, created metaphor dice, which uh, you may have seen on one of these tables. Give it up for Taylor Molly. Yeah. It's called On the Way to Grandma's House. My daughter asks when she'll be allowed to say the F word. And I consider at first saying never, because the most important things that come out of your mouth don't need permission from your daddy. But there may be times in this dangerous world when a six-year-old girl needs to feel free to say, keep your fucking hands off me. So how about today? How about right now? See how it feels to say it out loud. The look my wife is giving me from the passenger seat <laughs> says, this might be the worst idea I've ever had as a father. And that's true. But when nothing else will do, even a little girl might need to know how to say, fuck you. And here's the thing about the first time you curse. In the heat of the moment, you'll wish you'd rehearsed. QED, my daughter, when she offers up her worst, don't fuck touch me with your fuck hands. <laughs> my wife in the passenger seat is trying not to shake the entire car with her laughter and failing horribly. This is the woman who will later steal our daughter's new turn of phrase, whispering into my ear as I'm turning off the lights. How'd you like to fuck touch me with your fuck hands tonight? <laughs> After a few more tries, my daughter's eyes are wide with the power of the profane, Latin profanus, meaning outside the temple which has never meant the same as heathen, however hard some have sought to make it so. The roots of the sacred are riven with sin through and through. So look out world, because there's now another girl who finally knows how to say, fuck you. <laughs> You're going to be the same again, Taylor. I think I can look at my daughter the same way now. Thank you for that. <laughs> Would you like to fuck touch me? <laughs> Do you want to leave it so people can see it? Uh, we got time for three more readers. Uh, are you taking off? I was going to have everyone give you one more round of applause. Oh, yeah, if you're I'm taking off, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I am taking off. Can I take this flyer with me that's got my picture on it? Yes, you can. <laughs> Go for it. Thank you, Jason. Uh, thank you, I.S. Jones. Give it up for I.S. Jones one last time. Andrew's sidekicks are a satchel. What's, what's, what's up? Nobody applauded for Zora. Let's go. All 
Okay, back to the open mic list. Uh, our next reader is Steph McLean. Give it up for Steph. that was put on me. I lost three of my closest friendships to consecutive Septembers. So this is called September's Curse. Let me slice a month out of the calendar and September will sigh. When the earth begins to eat itself, I lose someone in the decomposing. Spoiled friendship sows minefield from footpath and sours dreams prodding. Oh, summer's headless and autumn is ready for war. Asymmetric love makes hatred its servant and turns the town persimmon with chance. Shop front windows teasing like they could hold three people you used to love in their crowded mouths. Daredevil bookstores with a sea of nonfiction and maybe a hallucination of sisterhood. The earth's soft disintegration rings of the ways I'm still haunted. One, the spirit in the staircase has two black cats and an old Hollywood smile. Mm. Two, a poor night's sleep apparition is carrying the burden of my old self like a cross. Three, the shadow nestled in the corner and I wonder about each other when the year changes scarlet. The canyon between all of us hums silently until someone presents a molded over name and then I'm 13 years old again when the dentist asks about flossing and suddenly my mouth is running with blood and lies. There is so much open space. I am expecting many guests. Who is coming with me? Thank you. First time here? Give it up for Steph one more time. Uh, our 20th and final reader tonight is Rachel Sachs. Give it up for Rachel. Hello. 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 That's okay, because poems are how I pray. What's the blessing, dear sister, for almost getting hit by a car, running a red light southbound on no strand, but not, but not, but close enough that my ice cream guy and his buddy see how fast I walk when I realize he isn't gonna stop, and as I finish crossing say, that guy was an asshole. I call you sister. I call you, dear sister, for the moments like these, the blessings just so, as needed, right then, when spiritual gratitude pierces agnostic haze, enough to tease my twin sister into hoping I believe. There are moments every single one might need, might want to pray. My hotline rabbi won't accept the title because in orthodoxy, women can't be rabbis, and because she's not a rabbi. She vociferously protests the moniker like it's a sacrilege. But how can it be sacrilegious to briefly don a rabbi's kippah, to operate your godless sister with a direct hookup to the divine, or merely to small moments of faith? To whom may you direct this call? I want to hear it from you, sister, 
not Chabad.com. I want to hear from you. The words where my sudden swell of gratitude might find landing. Okay, thank you. First time here, Rachel? First time reading here? Yeah. Give it up one more time for Rachel. like an organic unfolding. Did, were you all feeling the same thing I was? Or am I yeah, just crazy? Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Arthur. Uh, I wouldn't just say that. There was a weird, uh, I don't know, it just, it worked all together. There was a harmony. So uh, we're going to go back over the open mic list again, the number to vote for Poem of the Month for October 718-374-1953. If you're in the back and have a hard time hearing me, the number is on the chalkboard under the heart crane quote. And uh, yeah, seven one eight three. Say all the people in the front room. Seven one eight three seven four one nine five three. You get extra credit if you text me the heart crane quote. Um, I say text me, but the phone is here, and I, I will be upstate. Uh, somebody else will count the votes. That was Rachel Sachs. We just heard from before that Ava McNabney, Steph McLean, Taylor Molly, his daughter, and Heron Dean. Alexis Dibbs, Kiana St. Louis, Arthur Russell from table number three, Yael Spivakovsky, Michael Cohen, Kayla Schwab, Mason Sills right over here, NC Ataj back there somewhere. I don't know why I'm getting the location now. Salem Zalalem, it's Salem, right? Yes, Salem Zalalem, Jim Stewart, Anthony G, the first of two Anthonys, Hunter Hodkinson right there, Elia Osmanova in the back, Anthony J, Summer over there. And last but not least, uh, Martha Wallace Whitehead. Again, the number to vote, 718-374-1953. The winner of Poem of the Month gets a slot in the Poem of the Year bracket. There are 12 finalists. They will read at uh, the Poem of the Year contest on Saturday, December 2nd. And the winner will read at our awards gala on December 10th. You might as well mark your calendars. We're about to start promoting that very soon, Sunday, December 10th at Dumbo Loft in, predictably, Dumbo, our awards <laughs> gala will begin at 5 p.m. with cocktails. <laughs> and then we'll proceed into fancy food and poetry readings. And then a dance party uh, with DJ Alaska. There was like a quiet woo over here with someone who apparently very, very much wants to dance. Uh, Sunday, December 10th, all the finalists get admission to the awards gala. You can also get admission to the awards gala. Uh, by donating $150 or more. It's that simple. <laughs> Definitely silence after that. Some of you already have tickets. Uh, if you want to donate, talk to me afterward. Uh, if you have a membership, there will be a member ticket that is cheaper than that. Okay, 718-374-1953. Can somebody tell me the second Monday in November? What Monday is that? Arthur Russell, I'm looking at you. Oh, somebody else has it. What is it? November 13th. Carl Michael Iglesias will be in the house to teach that. Yup, some of you have been taking his popular workshop or the drop-in class on Wednesday nights, The Magical Realist, been one of our hits of the fall. He will be here to lead the November 13th Yup. I will not be here. I should have a second girl on earth by November 3rd. God help us. I love that, like, it was like a very polite applause. <laughs> They're like, well, we have to applaud the fucking guy. <laughs> Having a 
a second child. We might, we're so sick of him, but uh, we'll, we'll politely applaud this. Uh, I will not be here, Darius Phelps uh, will be emceeing, and uh, the December Yop, I will not be here either, but I will be at the Poem of the Year contest, and I will definitely be at the gala. Uh, I say definitely, emergencies may come up, but <laughs> I hope to be there. In any case, thank you for coming. Again, tickets for the next Yop go on sale at 9.30, that's in about 15 minutes. Uh, if you want to read for the open mic, there are 10 reserved open mic tickets every month. Those go very quickly. I wouldn't wait until midnight. They are usually gone by then. So if you want one of those reserved spots and you don't have to get here at six to sign up at the door, I would look on our website at 9.30. You will find it under events under YAWP. It will lead you to the ticket page. Okay, again, 718-374-1953. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next time. Okay, there you have it, the Broken Poets Yop Open Mic for October 9th, 2023. Only two Yops left in the year 2023, which is really turning out to be one of the, <laughs> quite frankly, one of the worst years in history. Uh, there is a lot that is terrible that is going on. I hope you were all staying safe. It's hard to, uh, to be honest, and it's hard to, uh, even if you're physically safe to feel uh, mentally safe, if that makes sense, or emotionally safe. Um, thank you to our teacher, Ias Jones, for leading a terrific workshop on October 9th and kicking off the open mic hour with her featured set, Ias Jones. Uh, just led a great two-session workshop for us called Poets of Exile, and uh, it's cooking up something good for the new year as well. We'll be dropping our winter-spring 2024 workshop season on January 1st. We always drop that on the new year because uh, we recognize that after the New Year's Eve, most people are trying to turn the page and uh, get down to either their new selves or reinvigorating their old selves or reviving a self. So uh, you'll see that news come out on January 1st. Uh, congrats to S.E. Zalalem for winning the second-to-last slot in our 2023 Poem of the Year bracket for their incredible poem, Notes on Black Lovers. Uh, S.E. Zalalem has earned uh, not only a spot in that contest, but a ticket to our awards gala, which we are about to begin promoting. That gala will be held at Dumbo Loft, as I said at the end of the recording. Sunday, Sunday, December 10th, 5 to 10 p.m. There will be a dance party this year, and it's going to be black tie optional. It's going to be an amazing party. Hope you'll get a ticket to that. Um, yeah. I think that's about it. Uh, if you like what you heard, we'd love it if you rate us five stars on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. It helps more listeners find these amazing posts every month. If you want to come to the Yop, the next one is on Monday, November 13th. It's always the second Monday of the month at 144 Montague Street and live stream via Zoom. Uh, originally, Carl Michael Iglesias was going to lead that Yop, but he can no longer do it because of personal reasons. Something came up in his personal life that he has to deal with. But the brilliant Kay Iver will be leading that November 13th Yop. They were originally going to lead the December Yop, but now they're going to lead the November one. Uh, so we will be in good hands and we'll be announcing soon who will lead the 
final Yop of the Year on December 11th, but tickets are still available for that November 13th Yop. Uh, go to brooklynpost.org and look under events and you'll see the Yop menu tab. I don't even know what to call it. The tab? The menu tab? The menu page? Uh, you'll see all that info there. Or just follow us on Instagram, social media, and you see the announcements there as well. That is it. I am going to put my baby to sleep. Uh, my first baby, my second baby, it will arrive any day now. My wife's due date is November 3rd. This is uh, October 30th. Tomorrow's Halloween. That'll be a trip if the baby arrived on Halloween, but uh, hopefully it will arrive on the due date because, damn, there are a lot of things to prepare before that baby arrives. Thanks for listening, uh, and uh, I'll talk to you in November when I am probably stressed and tired and uh, editing the November 13th podcast. Okay, cool. Uh, till then. <laughs>